Have you ever been in the presence of royalty? It's not easy to do because there are not many kings and queens left in modern times. But there's still 43 countries with a king or a queen on the throne. But most of them were just ceremonial positions, constitutional monarchies. But I had the opportunity several years ago to meet King Abdullah of Jordan. A friend of mine who knew him invited me to be in a group of about 20 pastors in Washington, D.C., in a room to meet with King Abdullah, and he was wanting to create a dialogue between Christians. And somewhere in the meeting, he said, I'd love for you guys to come to my beautiful country anytime. But if I today got on a flight to Jordan and I went to the royal palace in Amman and knocked on the door and someone answered and said, yes. And I said, well, I am here to meet with the king. He invited me to come over and so I am taking him up on his offer and I am here to hang out with the king today. I thought maybe he could take me around and show me some of the tourist sites. I thought I would just hang out with the king and do the king thing today. Maybe he could take me to some of the great restaurants and we'll just hang out and have an amazing day. We'll do the king thing, whatever kings do. I can tell you how that would go. That's not happening. And they would say, now, who are you? And I go, well, I met the king once. And they say, well, that's great, but the king is busy running a country and he doesn't have time to meet with you. But the king of Jordan has four children, and I'm sure that those four children can call him up at any time and he's never too busy. And I'm sure that he always makes time for them. They can go right into his presence. But realize this, if you're a Christ follower, then you're a child of the king of kings. You are royalty. And you can go right into the presence of God through his son, Jesus Christ, who made a way for you. And you can go right into God's presence because he's never too busy for you. He always will make time for you because you're one of his kids. He's the king of kings, but he's also your father. So yes, if you're a Christ follower, you've been in the presence of royalty. The question is, how often are you in the presence of royalty? Not the king of Jordan, not the king of a country, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the king of creation, the king of the world. That's who we can go right into his presence, right into his throne room and talk to him. That's why we're in this series we're calling Kingdom. It's based on the Lord's Prayer because the king of kings has authorized each of us as his kids to bring some heaven to earth. He's given us the authority to pray and bring his kingdom to this earth so that the kingdom of heaven comes down to this earth, our place on this earth. He, he wants the peace of heaven to come down into our hearts. He wants the healing of heaven to come into our relationships. He wants the provision of heaven to come into your family. He wants the blessings of heaven to come into our neighborhoods and our workplaces. God wants to bring some heaven to this earth. That's what he's all about. And he's authorized his royal kids to be a part of that, to pray, bringing heaven to earth. But we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, so open your Bibles to Matthew. And we're going to look at and read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. So would you stand in honor of God's Word, Woodlands Church? And I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses and everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast ministry. Now we have millions of people all over the world who tune in. And so from the woodlands to the world, 
We want you to know this church is built on the word of God, which changes lives. And God wants to bring some heaven to earth in your life today. So follow along with me. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Dear King, King of kings and Lord of lords, we thank you that you're also our Father. And Daddy God, we ask you to bring your kingdom to this earth, to this place. We ask you to bring heaven to earth at all of our campuses. We ask you to bring heaven to earth in our lives. We ask you to bring heaven to earth into the lives of every person who's watching, every person who's tuning in. We pray that you would bring heaven to earth, Lord, to all the children in the children's ministry. We pray you'd bring heaven to earth to all of our students. And Lord, I, I thank you that you wanna bring heaven to earth, the healing from heaven. We ask to come down today on this place on earth. And I thank you, Lord, that even though you're the king of kings and you're the king of creation, the king of the universe, you're also our father and you care about everything we go through. And I just pray that you would work miracles today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. He didn't say this is what you should pray. Now a lot of people think you're supposed to pray the Lord's Prayer every day and it becomes kind of a rote thing, kind of a ritual, and they don't really think about what the Lord's Prayer means. Jesus didn't say, this is what you have to pray, pray it just like this, this is what you pray. But he did say this is how you should pray. He's giving us principles here in the Lord's Prayer. And so we're gonna, in this series, break down these principles so we can bring some heaven to earth because that's what God wants. And the first principle, maybe the most important of all, and I can sum it up in two words, our Father. When we go to the King of Kings, we're to come to him as one of his children because he wants us to address him as Father. They say, Daddy, I need you. We can come right into his presence. He's never too busy for us. He's always right there. But I think one of the reasons why we struggle with our father, one of the reasons why we struggle asking him to bring some heaven to earth in our lives and we don't come into the presence of his royalty as often as we should is because we oftentimes put the face of an imperfect earthly father over the face of our heavenly father. For example, if as a kid, you had a father who abandoned you early on. You might think of God as powerful, but you wouldn't trust him when you get in a tight spot because you think he might abandon you. You, you think that God might leave you hanging. You, you think that God may not come through. You can't really count on God because you just don't know. He might leave you when you're in your most difficult situation. Or if when you were growing up, you had a earthly father who provided for you and he's a great provider, but he really had a tough time connecting with you emotionally, then when you think of God, you may think of a God who is great and he's powerful as a provider, but he doesn't really care about the details of your life. Doesn't really connect to you. Doesn't really care about what's going on in the struggles in your heart. Or maybe growing up you had a dad who was very loving and nice, but he just didn't step up to the plate to do the tough stuff in your family to be a man 
who led spiritually with integrity in your family. And so now when you think of God, you think of God as nice and he's loving and he's kind, but you wouldn't trust him with your biggest problems because he's just not strong enough to really carry your greatest burdens. He's nice, he's kind, but he's not strong and powerful. He can't meet your deepest needs. And so when we think of God, we often put the face of an imperfect earthly father on the face of God the Father, and we don't go to our Father in heaven the way we should. Now, it really doesn't matter what your father was like growing up. You may have had a really good earthly father, but there's no such thing as a perfect earthly father. In fact, every earthly father is broken and, and very imperfect. I've been a father for an amazing 31 years, and I can tell you I've made so many mistakes because I, like every other father, is a broken, very imperfect father. But the good news is this, we have a perfect heavenly father, and many times when we realize that we have maybe had a great earthly father, but they're not perfect, then it turns us to the perfect heavenly father. Or if you had a father that abandoned you, it might even be easier for you to turn to say, you know what, I need a perfect heavenly father because every one of us have a father void that God created when he made us, and it can only be filled by a perfect heavenly father. No earthly father can fill that void. It has to be filled with going into the presence of our perfect heavenly father and feeling his love and approval and acceptance. And so that's what we're talking about today. And fortunately, Jesus painted for us the perfect picture of the perfect heavenly father because it's hard for us to really grasp what a perfect heavenly father is like. Jesus brought it right down to us so we could see it clearly in the most famous parable in Scripture. We call it the parable of the prodigal son, but it's really the parable of the perfect, loving, heavenly father. You know the story. There was a father, Jesus said, who had two sons, and the younger son demanded his inheritance early, and he ran away and disconnected from his father to get as far away from him as he could because he didn't want his father to control his life. He didn't want his father to tell him what to do. He wanted to wear the crown of control and wave the banner of ego and do what he wanted to do. He wanted to be the king of his own life, and so he runs off doing whatever he feels like doing, and then he crashes and burns. He lives it up, and then he hits rock bottom. And there he comes to his senses, the Bible says, and he says, even in my father's house, the servants are fed, and I have nothing to eat, and I've squandered everything, and I'm gonna go home and just ask my father to take me back as a servant. I could never be his son again after what I've done to him. And so he starts walking home, and as he gets closer to home, we see what may be the most profound and powerful verse in all of Scripture. Would you look at it with me? I love this verse. Luke 15, 20. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Of all the world's religions, only Christianity shows us a God like this. Of all the world religions, only Christianity shows us a God who runs to, who picks up, who holds and hugs and kisses his child when he returns home. All the other world religions show us a God who's stern, who's holy, who's just, 
who deals out punishment when we deserve it and who asks us to follow all these rules and tenets and rituals and then maybe he'll accept us. See, all the other religions show us a God who makes us run on the treadmill of religion, trying to prove that we're worth it, that we're good enough, that we could be accepted by that God. But Christianity shows us a God who runs to us, wraps his loving arms of grace around us because he cares about us. You see, the people Jesus was talking to was well aware that God is king of kings. But Jesus wanted them to know he's also their father. They could pour their heart out to their father, who they can go right into his presence. He's our father. The king of kings is our father, and he runs to us. And so we're going to look at three things this morning that we need to do to align ourselves to be able to come into his presence, to be able to experience his blessing so heaven can come to earth in our lives, so that we can realize that we're royalty and that we are authorized to bring blessings heaven to earth. Because if you don't understand that he's your father, you won't want to go into his presence. If you don't understand that he's your father, then you'll let shame keep you from his presence. And so let's understand today that he is our father. So how do we do that? We have to stop rebelling and turn to the Father's care. See, God is king of kings, but he's also our perfect father, and we, like the prodigal son, can choose to be the king of our own life. We can choose to do what we want to do. We can put on the crown of control, and we can be the king of our own life and disconnect from our Father's care and run as far away from our Father as we can, doing what we want to do, calling the shots in our lives, but it's so interesting to me, the father in this parable, he lets the son take his inheritance early and run away from him. He doesn't force him to stay. He could have forced him, but he didn't do that. He lets him run away. You see, our loving heavenly father doesn't force us to stay close to him. He lets us run away. He lets us put on the crown of control and heavy is the head that wears the crown of control, trying to control everything, uh, trying to be the master of our own fate trying to be the king of our own world that wears you out. And in Luke 15, 13, we see what happened. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Our loving heavenly father will let us wear the crown of control and be the king of our own life so we'll experience the consequences of playing God. And the consequences of playing God, I can tell you how that ends. It ends with fatigue and failure because you're not God. And when you wear the crown of control, you try to control other people, you try to control your problems, try to control your circumstances, you're gonna fail. You're gonna crash and burn. But even when I disconnect from my heavenly father and just run fast through life, trying to get the things done I need to get done, and I don't stop and connect with my heavenly father, but I try to hold up all the burdens myself, I try to control the situations in my life, even if you're a Christ follower who loves God with all your heart, but you're not connecting with the Father on a daily basis, then we become just like the prodigal son, disconnected from our Father's care, far from home, lost, burdened, out of balance. For you see, this son broke away from his Father's care. He ran as fast as he could go, trying to control everything, and everything started spinning out of control so he could realize that he wasn't God, that the crown of control didn't fit on his head, 
that he wasn't the king of his own life or the king of anything. And he began to realize that. And when I disconnect from my heavenly father, my life gets out of balance really fast. I have to reconnect with him to find his strength and his power, asking him for heaven to come to earth in my life because I need him so desperately. But he'll let me disconnect so that I can get the disequilibrium in my soul, that out of balance feeling in my soul, that overwhelmed feeling, that feeling of burnout. When you disconnect your heavenly father, it eventually ends up on the road to burnout. Some of you have disconnected and you're running as far away from God as you can. Maybe you don't even believe in God anymore and you're just doing what you wanna do in this life. You're calling your shots. You don't want God as part of your life. And God says, if you'll just come home, I'm right there for you. But others of us, we don't connect like we should and we're just like the prodigal too, disconnected from our father's care, far, far away from fulfillment, running as fast as we can and running further away from the father's care and fulfillment in our hearts. So I want you to see that this prodigal ran from the father and he put the crown of control upon his head and he started spinning out of control. And when your life gets out of balance and you're running so fast trying to keep it all together, just like the prodigal, um, you're disconnected from your father. And it's all the same. We experience the same emptiness. You see, if you don't fill the father void that is in your life, you're gonna try to fill it with something. Every one of us were created with this father void that only a connection with our perfect heavenly father can fill. But if you don't fill it with a connection to your perfect heavenly father, whenever you disconnect, you're gonna try to fill it with something else. And most people, when they have that father void and don't try to fill it with the heavenly father who created it, they try to fill it with what I call performing. They become performers. They try to perform and achieve because they think the more they achieve, the more successful they become, the more fulfilled they'll be, and nothing could be further from the truth. And so they're always trying to achieve to prove their worth. And some of you grew up with a false concept that you're not very valuable, that you're not worth very much. Maybe you got that from a parent or a teacher or, or some peers. But for whatever reason, you've had that false concept that you're not worth a whole lot. And you decided early on that you were going to prove your worth by performing, by showing everyone else that you're worth something, that you're valuable. And so you get on that treadmill of success and you run as fast as you can. And maybe you're really successful but it doesn't matter how successful you are because whenever you start to relax, those voices come back that says, you better keep running, you better keep running. Someone's gonna run past you. You better keep running or it's all gonna fall apart. You better keep running, you better keep running. If you stop, everything's gonna collapse. You gotta prove your worth. You gotta prove that you're valuable. And so you're just performing. You're performing to prove your worth to everyone else. For you see, if you don't fill the father void with a perfect heavenly father and a connection to him, if you break away from your perfect heavenly father, you'll try to fill that void either with performing or pleasing. Now, a lot of people fill the void with pleasing. They try to please everyone around them. In fact, that's what the younger son did. He tried to please everyone and he ended up pleasing no one. And his so-called friends didn't show up in his time of need. It's ironic that we try to please everyone else except for the one who loves us just the way we are. And so he tried to please everyone else and everything came crashing down. But it was at that moment that God began to get his attention.
this young man ends up with no money, no friends. The only place he can get a job is in a pig pen feeding the pigs, pig slop, and his pay is he gets to eat some of the slop. So there he is on equal terms with the pigs. He'd left the palace of his father to be in the pig pen. Now, everyone who Jesus was talking to was a Jew. And so a pig is the most unclean animal. You know, in Judaism, they look at pigs as the most unclean of all the things that are unclean. And so everyone knew what Jesus was saying. This guy had hit rock bottom. You don't get any lower than that on the same level as pigs. And here he is in the pig pen, but this is where everything starts to change. It says in Luke 15, 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So it's in the pig pen, he begins to turn to his father's care. The crown of control has fallen off his head. That banner of ego is now laying in the filth and the mud. He is no longer the prideful, strong young man who's rebellious, who thinks he's the king of his own world. For he's lying in the pig pen. He's hit rock bottom. And there's only one place to look, and that's up. But I want you to see it's only in the pig pen that we can see the palace clearly. For the first time, he sees the palace clearly. Many times God will allow you to get in the pig pen so you can see the palace clearly. And many times it's not until we get in the pig pen and we hit rock bottom and there's no place to look but up where we finally see that God cares. When we give up the crown of control and we surrender it to the one, the only one who can wear that crown, and that's God. And so he was in the pig pen, and in the pig pen he finally saw the palace that he'd left behind. He couldn't wait to get away from his father's house. And now he looks at it and he sees his father's care for the first time and he's ready to go home. Are you in the pig pen? It may be the pig pen of addiction and you tried to fix it yourself, but now you finally realized in the pig pen, you can't fix it. And in the pig pen, you see the palace of God's power and you've got to turn to him. Maybe you're in the pig pen of failure. God many times will allow us to go into the pig pen of failure where we have a failed relationship, a failure at work, we have some failure that really sends us into the pig pen so that we can see the palace of God's purpose and significance for us. For what you need is not success. What you need is significance. It goes beyond success. And so it's there in the pig pen that we wake up. He woke up and he smelled the pig pen. And some of you today are in the pig pen, but you've lost your sense of smell because you've been in it so long. It's time to wake up. I mean, you can be living in a nice house with a nice family and a nice job and be in the pig pen because you're disconnected from your heavenly father and you're empty on the inside. And God says, wake up, wake up. God loves you so much though. He'll do just about anything to send you to the pig pen so you can wake up, so you can end up in the palace of God's purpose and fulfillment and meaning and blessings totally connected to your heavenly father, filling the father void that can't be filled by anything else. And that brings me to the second thing. Stop running and rest in the father's approval. Got to stop running and rest in the father's approval. The prodigal son starts home and he plans this little speech in Luke 15, 18. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
Now this shows me the prodigal son had a clear picture of his own condition, but he had no clue about the father's character. He knew he was a sinner, that he had messed up, that he had blown it. And we've gotta come to that place where we realize that, where we don't compare ourselves to everyone else, but we know that we've blown it, that we're in the pig pen without God and being connected to him. And every time I take a step away from God and being connected to my father who cares about me, I'm in the pig pen already, even if I can't smell it. But here he realizes he's been in the pig pen. He really is in tune with his condition and his sins and his mess and his brokenness, but what he has no clue about is his father's character of grace and mercy and blessing. And so he starts walking home. He sees the father as king, but he doesn't see him yet as that one that loves him unconditionally. But let's look at Luke 15, 20 again. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I love that it says, even while he was a long way off, just think about that for a moment. That means the father had to be at the window every day looking out. To see his son when he was a long way off, I just imagine that father every day sat at the window and he looked out to say, is this the day my son's coming home? Is this the day my son's coming home? Every day looking for him. And that's the way our heavenly father does with us. He looks out the window of heaven. He looks, is this the day that my child is coming home? Is this the day my daughter's coming home? Is this the day my son is coming home? And I'm telling you, if you run from God your whole life, God will wait looking out the window every single day, hoping that you'll choose today to come home. That's the kind of God we have. Looking out the window every day, this is the day. Maybe this is the day. God who knows everything, he'll still wait at the window, watching, wanting for his child to come home, to find fulfillment and acceptance, to stop running, this is the only time in scripture we see God run. How cool is that? God runs. And I'm sure he sets the record in the 100 meter dash. God runs, and so he's God. He runs perfectly. God runs. Think about it. God doesn't run from anything because he's not afraid of anything. God doesn't back down. God doesn't run from anything or anyone. But God runs to his child when he comes home. God runs to his son when he comes home. He runs to his daughter when she comes home. In fact, if you just turn right now, I don't care how far away you run from God, you may be so far away from the care of the father. You may be so far away. You've wandered so far from the loving arms of God. If you'll just turn around, he will run to you. He will run to you and pick you up, hold you in his arms and kiss you and say, my child has come home. My child has come home. That's the God that we have. He's the king of the world, but he's our father who cares about every detail of our lives. And so this son comes back. Notice the contrast between when the son leaves home and when the son comes back home. When he leaves home, he's running as fast as he can to get away from the father. Totally disconnected, running as fast as he can. He's got all this money and all this pride, and he's got the crown of control on his head. He's the king of his world. But on the way home, he's not running anymore. He's walking. He's lost everything, even his pride. But the father runs to him. 
See, if you'll just stop running, the Father will run to you. He's been chasing after you your whole life. If you'll just stop running, he will run to you, and you can rest in his forgiveness, in his love, in his approval. That's what you've been searching for your whole life. Isn't it amazing that all the things we strive for, that we get out of balance for, that we get burnt out for, are all right there for us if we'll just stop running and we'll find them in our Father's care. So this prodigal finally stops running and he accepts the Father's approval. You see, he has this prepared speech and he says, Father, I I know that I've sinned terribly against heaven and against you and I'm not worthy to be your son. Would you please just take me into your house so I could eat? Let me be one of your servants. I'll work really hard. And the father says, stop. You're my child and you're home. You're totally forgiven. That brings me to the third thing. I have to stop resisting and rejoice in the father's blessings. This is something that we struggle with receiving the Father's undeserved blessings. Not only does the Father forgive him and give him mercy, but he also gives him grace. See, mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. We don't get the punishment we deserve. And grace is when we do get that which we don't deserve. Blessings, heaven one day, forgiveness, God's peace and strength. And that's what he gives his son. And God our Father gives us mercy and grace. In Luke 15, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, the prodigal son, I'm sure at first, resisted, thinking, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of this. Let me try to earn this back first if I ever can but he did something so spiritual. He didn't resist, he just received. He received the forgiveness and then he received the grace, the blessings that his dad poured on him. Instead of trying to deserve it, he just received it. And one thing that causes us to resist God's blessings in our lives is we think we're not worthy. One of the things that keeps us from going into God's presence is like, God, it's the same old sin again. I know you're getting tired of me, so I don't even want to go to church this week. I don't even want to talk to you this week. I, you know, I just know that you, you, know, you just don't approve of me. And God says, did you ever think you deserved it? Just come into my presence. I'll forgive you and also give you grace and I'll meet your needs. I'll give you blessings. If you'll just open your arms and receive them. You see, if we resist because we don't think we're good enough, we could never be good enough, that's still a pride, thinking that one day maybe we could be good enough? No, we could never be good enough. We could never earn it. And so this prodigal is at the place where he just says, God, I need you. I receive your blessings. I receive that robe. I don't have any clothes left. They're all torn up. God, I receive that ring that I'm still one of your children. God, I receive those blessings. I receive the celebration, your provision. I don't deserve it, but I receive it out of your grace. Well, everyone was happy except for one. The older brother, well, I guess the fatted calf wasn't too pleased with the whole situation, but the older brother was definitely not happy. It says in Luke 15, 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my, my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. You see, this older brother didn't see the palace that he was living in, that everything right there was his. He resisted the blessings of the father. Why? Because he thought he did deserve it and he had earned it out of pride. And that's the number one thing that will keep you from receiving the blessings of God, thinking that you deserve it more than someone else, thinking that you have earned it more than someone else because none of us could ever earn it or deserve it. That's why it's so important. Jesus said to humble yourself so that you can be exalted because pride goes before the pig pen. Whenever I look at someone else and I see them being blessed, I think, God, how come you're blessing them? Because I deserve it more than them. I have missed out. I have no awareness of my condition. I don't deserve anything. But I thank God that he gives me his blessings and forgiveness and grace. And so this older brother was missing out on the blessings of God. You weren't made to be king, but you were made to worship the king. You weren't made to be the king of the world, holding up the weight of the world on your shoulders, trying to control everything, wearing the crown of control, but you were made to worship the king of kings. Bruce Larson tells about a contrasting statues that are there in New York City on Fifth Avenue, and they're really close together. The first statue is there at the Rockefeller Center on Fifth Avenue, and it's the statue of Atlas holding up the world. Here it is. See, Atlas holding up the world is the picture of a, it's a statue of a, a, a strong man who is underneath the weight of the whole earth trying to hold it up. He's struggling just to stand up underneath the burden of holding up the world. And in Greek mythology, Atlas holding up the world, it, it was not an act of courage. It was a burdensome curse. Atlas was cursed in Greek mythology, so he had to hold up the world no matter how hard it was. And and he's almost buckled under the strain of holding up the world on his shoulders. But then right next to the Atlas statue, there on Fifth Avenue, tucked inside St. Patrick's Cathedral, is a really small statue of Jesus as a boy at eight or nine years of age. And here it is. And there he is holding the world in one hand. And compared to the boy Jesus, the world is really small. The world and all it contains, he can hold in one hand. Those two contrasting statues show us the choice that we have today. The choice is you can choose to be like Atlas, trying to hold up the world on your shoulders, to be the king of your world, trying to keep it all together and not being crushed under the burden of it. Or you can choose to give it to Jesus and let him hold all your burdens and your problems, the king of the world. Because the king of the world wants to be your father. I want us to bow our heads right now. Dear Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, King of creation, King of the universe, Daddy God, we come to you and we ask you to bring some heaven to earth right now. For we need, Lord, the peace of heaven to come into our hearts. I pray for the peace of heaven that would come into the hearts of all those who feel anxious and worried. I pray, Lord, that the peace and the rest of heaven would come onto all those who are restless. 
Lord, I, I pray that you would just fill the father void in people's hearts and lives today as they connect with you, Heavenly Father. I pray for the healing of heaven to come into lives that need healing today, relationships that need healing, families that need healing, bodies that need healing in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, for the blessings of heaven to come into our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. We pray for the blessings of heaven to come today at all of our campuses. We pray for heaven to break through, that this place would be a thin place where the barrier between heaven and earth grows thin and heaven collides with earth today to bring your healing power and your miracles because we need you, Daddy God. And I pray for all those who are just tired of trying to be the king of the world, that they would just say, God, I'm not the king anymore. I give up to you, the king. I take the crown of control off my head, I give it to you, and I surrender to your forgiveness and grace. Forgive me of all my sins, come into my life. I want you to be the king of my life from now on. I receive your free gift of heaven one day. Now help me live in you, Father God. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you've been doing amazing miracles in this weekend's services, Lord through the prayer time, through everything that's happening. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do it again. In your name, Jesus, we thank you for your presence, that you're here right now. You're here to make all the difference in our hearts and lives. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. Right after this service, we're gonna do something very special and powerful. And we're gonna have our prayer partners and teams out there. We're gonna have our pastors out there at the prayer fountain, and that's a thin place. And, and we want you to go out there and humbly admit you have a need because we all have needs. Did you know it says our Father? Not my Father, but our Father. Something happens when you go to God and you go to God by asking someone else to pray for you and you pray together. We're gonna have them out there and maybe it's a healing that needs to take place. Maybe it's uh, for a friend you're praying for. Maybe it's for provision. Just admit it to them. We all have needs and they'll get it because they're not out there as perfect people. They're out there as broken people too who are looking to our Father to bring healing. And, and go out there and pray. Don't let this day end without someone praying for you, for heaven to come to earth in your life because God's working miracles. God is here to meet your needs. Well, now we're at the part of our service where we give back to God. And as you give, thank him for how much he's given you. But I just really challenge you to make your consistent or make giving consistent because really giving is one of the three spiritual disciplines that you have to have in your life to become a mature Christ follower. There are three spiritual disciplines. The first is spending time with God every day, a quiet time. It's the discipline of a daily quiet time, spending 10, 15 minutes with God. Whether you feel like it or not, it becomes a spiritual discipline and it changes your life. The second one is, is being in a life group, being committed to a life group, being a member of the church and connecting with other believers constantly. That's a habit, whether you feel like it or not, and it grows you beyond measure. And the third is a tithe, giving a consistent tithe, giving God the first 10% to put him first in your finances to show that he's first in your life. And that takes a spiritual discipline to do that. So figure out a way that it becomes a spiritual discipline in your life, and there are many ways to give. There are push pay app, there are online giving, and through giving a check at church. But I just encourage you, make it a spiritual discipline because that's when God blesses you the most and he says, you can't outgive me. And God promises that he'll give back to you more than you could ever give. 
but most importantly, he'll give you the things money could never buy, and that's true peace. And so I just really challenge you. And as you give, pray that God will multiply these gifts as we're reaching out, stepping out more than we ever have to bring heaven to this place on earth, to bring heaven to the poorest of the poor, to bring heaven all over the world with the gospel of hope, to bring heaven to this next generation, to raise up the gospel of hope and bring some heaven to this earth. Lord, bless our giving. And we pray today as we give that you would help us hold things loosely so that we could receive things greatly. And as we give, I pray that you would just multiply those gifts, give back to us more than we could ever give, and then, Lord, make us a channel of blessing, a conduit of your goodness. And I pray you'd multiply these gifts so that heaven comes to earth everywhere we minister. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.